Hi, I'm Phil Palucci from Billionaires in Boxers, and welcome to another episode of Billionaires in Boxers and Palucci TV. I'm joined by Paul Lyon. Paul, welcome. I'm really glad that you're here. Good afternoon, Phil. Finally, it's great to talk to you. Yeah, we got there in the end, and I'm really pleased that we did. So, Paul, um, obviously, avid, lifelong supporter, and have been involved in Oxford City Football Club for a very long time. Admittedly, not back as far as 1882, I don't think. Um, but uh, the club's going through some incredible things at the moment that you've been a tremendous part of. Um, so I'm really glad that we're here to just kind of explore that a little bit and dive into you know, your experience with the club and, and your experience in football in general. Yeah, sure. Be, be pleased to talk through it with you. Excellent. Love it. So let's start right at the very beginning, if we can. I know you're a, you're a businessman. You've been involved in several different industries. What brought you into football? What was it that kind of inspired you to get involved away from the terraces and into the boardroom, so to speak? I've loved football all my life. It's um, It's been my passion from very early age. I used to watch my father play. And uh, so I've always been a football supporter. I was never really any good at the game, but mm. I, I loved the sport. And uh, and I've been involved um, you know, as, a, as, a, as a child. I played, I mean, I played back in the 70s where you had 11 players on the pitch and you had a 12th man. And once the 12th man came on, there, there were no other substitutions. It was once you're off, you're off. Yeah. But I was all the 12th man. It was... Um, <laughs> carrying the oranges in the water bowl, you know. And I, oh, yeah. I wasn't good enough to play for, for my local team. But I loved football. And um, so I used to go and watch Oxford City. It was my local team to where I lived. It was 100 yards from my house. Yeah. And I used to Oxford City. Um, also followed Oxford United. We're a city of two clubs. And, yeah. and you can support both in the in the city. That's nice. And so I followed Oxford United when they got to the top division, the, the first division as it was then, Premier yeah. League as it's now known. And uh, I had some, some great times following Oxford United. But... Oxford City was always the local community club, um, right. an amateur club, and um, all, it always um, went down the amateur route ever since its found, founding in 1882. Never went down the professional route at all. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be involved in football in some way, and I became a referee as a as a as a young man. I just Did decided you? referee to to stay in the game, and um, so I was a semi professional referee. I was never good enough for for the football league. Um, but I was I was a semi pro referee and I enjoyed doing games Saturday afternoons and Sundays, and um, and then about thirty years ago uh, I got involved with the local youth leagues and um, and I became referee secretary for the youth league handling all the admin. Then I started looking after the fixtures for the youth league in Oxford. We've got about ten thousand kids play football um, wow. every Sunday, and um, we've got seven hundred teams. And uh, wow. so I've been looking after the administration for that for. Um, nearly 30 years now and uh and I'm, i enjoy doing that as a hobby and I'm, I'm still carrying on i always said i would do it until my children stopped playing because i got into that um when my when my son was a seven-year-old and we um we, we were left without a manager so i started running the team yeah and that league was being run terribly the administration wasn't very good there was no organization and i always i've always seen myself as a really good administrator so I went along to the league and said, "You guys need some help. I'm willing to help you. What do you need?" And so I went on to the, I went on to the committee for the league. And um, so my son was seven at the time, and I said, "Well, I'll do it until my son gives up." Well, I did. <laughs> I'd have three sons, and um, and my third son is now 17, and he's nearly at the point where he's giving up. He's off to university um, next year. Right. So maybe it'll be the time for me to re retire next year, or maybe not. I've actually got grandchildren now that are starting to play in the league. <laughs> I love that. So, so maybe I'll, I'll have to stay. But you know, I've always I've always loved football, so I wanted to be involved in some way. And uh, so I've been I've been doing it as a as a hobby for a long time. And then seven years ago, um, I, um, I, I I was already involved with Oxford City um, in terms of helping out with the youth setup, and we used to use their their facilities for mm -hmm. games. Um, and, and a terrible thing happened at the club, and it's it's all in the social media. And what sure. happened at the club? Um, and there were there were two directors of, of Oxford City Football Club. Um, you had one director that I knew for fifty years. Um, lovely guy, church going guy, totally honest guy. And he was an accountant, and he ran the football club for a long time. And um, he um, he sort of was the day to day um, CEO, looking after things at the club. Sure. Um, and then we had a, an American investor um, that, that come along and bought fifty percent of the club. And suddenly without any notice at all he was locked up in america put in a penitentiary for 10 years wow. because he was um, involved in a in a share fraud in, a, in america um and suddenly half of oxford city football club was owned by the american sec right. because they they took all the assets away from from the american guy 
and we had to basically buy half the club back from the, the American government. Um, mm. Obviously, they needed to do a restitution of funds back to the people that were wronged. Um, at the time when the when the American got locked up um, in Florida, um, the other director was in a really bad situation because the American was funding the club base and he was putting money into the club every week to pay the wage bills. And there wasn't really any fundraising going on at Oxford City. There was no commercial activity. Right. They never had really any, many youth teams. So the only real source of income was coming from the American. When he got locked up, that stopped overnight. And, of course. Uh, and um, the other director had to try and work out how to keep the club running, and it was really difficult for him. He actually hung himself in the end and, and died. I did read that, uh, and I'm sorry to hear that. And that happened um, in um, July 2016. Um, yeah. So in, in July 2016, we had a director in prison. We had the other director um, commit suicide. There was nobody running, running the football club. Um, wow. And Justin Merritt approached me and said, look, you know, I've been involved in football for years. I'm a local businessman. I'm a, I'm a fan of the club. Would I be willing to come and have a look and see what I could do to help out and work sure. out where is the football club? And um, what can we do to um, to sort it out? Um, because at that time, the season was about to start. We we're in the National League South, which is the sixth, sixth tier of English football. Yep. Um, there was there was no money coming in, and, and it was like um, a ship at sea without anybody steering it. Um, sure. So the first thing that we did was where was the club financially, and yeah. uh, and it was um, it was difficult. But um, our aim was to keep the club going, and. Uh, and and um, here we are, seven years later. The rest is history. I can go through the whole history if you want to, but that's well, look, really how I, I got involved. I, I mean, there's a lot there to unpack, isn't there? So I guess the first yeah. question, taking it back, not not to trivialise or overlook some of the the really upsetting stuff that happened, but you mentioned that you you watched your dad play. Did he play at oh. a professional level, semi professional level, or was was he a gifted amateur? Yeah, just an amateur player here. But dad was actually a boxer. He, he was, was he? a really really. Uh, expert boxer and he, he he went he went professional but um my mum made him give it up she didn't like him getting um, bashed in the face with boxing gloves so yeah. my mum made him give it up but he was an amateur player and uh we had a local local club i used to go and watch my dad play at the local club and uh sure and um that was my sunday morning activity he was go down and watch dad play and uh well well football the... wasn't much better back then as you said even with the with the 12th man because you know i i, I remember you know you watch I, i'm not old enough to have played in there at all but i you know watch a lot of the footage and it's people mm. getting a big crack on the head and getting a bandage wrapped around and quickly shoved back on to go and head the ball away from the corner kind of thing um, that's right and you know people pe pe yeah. nowadays yeah. you've got people on the f go on yeah you didn't have the rolling substitutes I mean in kids football yeah. now you've rolling substitutes where you could, you can make substitutes right. on and off as much as you need to yeah sure but back in the way once you're off you're off and uh, yeah and, and managers and coaches were reluctant to make changes and you've got one poor lad stood on the sideline free from the set in the English <laughs> yeah. winter and um, like just get me on the pitch I need to run around a bit you know absolutely I'm freezing uh, I don't know how much I can add to the game, but I'm freezing. I've got frostbite. Yeah. Let me run. Um, well, yeah, I understand that. And that must have been a really difficult time as well because, you know, let's let's be let's be honest here. When you, when you took over the club um, and really got involved from a, from a board level position, at least, I know you've been involved previously, but there was a lot of trepidation around the club. There was some real sadness that, that, that you'd lost one of your own. There was the 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 guy sat in prison and then there's all the uncertainty with the u.s government i mean that that must have been quite an overwhelming time even as a fan because i know you know doing a lot of work in football the one club i don't work with is liverpool and this, that's deliberate um because mm -hmm. i find it very difficult to separate being a lifelong supporter and a fan with with having to be involved in the business side of things so that that's you must have been wearing a lot of hats at that point yeah that's always the problem isn't it it's you always say it's not it's never good to have a fan in charge of the club because yeah. you let your heart rule your head yeah and uh, what we had to do was take a business approach to it you know it's like what can we do to make sure this club survives because there were two options we you, we liquidate the club and start again from the very bottom take a yeah. seven eight division relegation and start again or do we try and fight and keep the club yeah. going you know the, the club has battled 140 years to get to the such sure. level of football um, do we want to give all that away or is there a way of saving it? So the, the first thing I had to do was work out. So I'm, I took over the financial side of the club. Justin is the football, the playing side and the development. I'm the business side. And um, so my first job was, let's see how much money we owe. And, and there was a few million pounds of debt in the football club. And right. uh, 
and it was um you know, the, the debt the debt was more than double the turnover you know, it was a lot of money right and, right right, right. Uh, was for a small football club it was a lot of money and there was there was no way that the football club would be able to pay that debt back just by um regular trading on on how it'd been doing previously because sure what was happening before was the american investor was putting the money in every month just to pay all the bills right and but when that stopped there was no commercial revenue coming in the crowds were, were were not really that good. There hadn't been really any work done to encourage people to come and watch the team, right? And um, and it was um, and it was a, re- a really tough job. So we had to work out if we were going to um, have a go at keeping the club alive, um, how how would we do it? And so the first thing was how much is the debt? Right, this is how much the debt debt is. How much have we got coming in per month? How much spare money have we got to repay that debt? Because you can only repay your debt from spare money because Sure. If you're getting if you're getting fifty grand a month coming into a football club, thirty thousand of that's just going to pay your normal bills, maybe forty thousand, and then whatever's left is going to be what you've got to be able to pay off old things. Um, sure. What I what I found was that the money coming into the club was less than the monthly bills, so we were right. spending more wow. just the club alive than what was actually coming in. So there was no leeway there to be able to pay any debt off. So. Uh, um, it was a, it was a, it was a critical situation, and you have when I came along, we had the HMRC knocking on the door saying we want paying now because with football clubs they don't hang around. There's no, they what don't. you've seen other other football clubs that have gone into liquidation or administration in the past. The HMRC want paying today, uh, mm-hmm. and the ironic thing was we, the first job I had was pay um, a corporation tax bill for a football club that was basically bankrupt <laughs> because it had wow. made money previously and. Uh, and um, at a corporation tax bill, I'm arguing with the government. Hang on a minute, you know this is a, a a company that's going to go into liquidation. It's not making any money. But what the government and the HMRC say was, well, you have to pay this bill from two years ago, and then yeah. if you file your tax for this year and you've made a loss, then we'll give it you back again. Well, isn't that stupid? Why don't you just that's offset ridiculous, isn't it? Well, we're having these we're having these sort of fights, but but what what we did was we had a look at where the money was owed to. We had. Um, a few local businesses that were owed money. We had a lot of financial institutions, banks that, they, that the club had uh, borrowed money from to right. to try and keep it afloat. And what we did was we asked them all for a time. And I said, you know, give us three months to have a look at the situation. If any of you get nervous and take the football club to court or, or try and put it into liquidation, you'll get no money. There'll be nothing. Nobody will get a penny. But if you bear with me and work with me, we'll get you paid. You just, you just need to work with us. And, uh, Good. So w- what we did was we we collated a list of who was owed what money, and we shared it with all the creditors. We said, right, this is how much money we owe. This is it. This is it. We're we're totally honest and upfront, and um, and I think that's the only way you can be in these situations. You have I to agree. be in touch with where you are financially. This is what we've got coming in. This is what we've got going out. We cannot pay you anything at the moment, but these are our plans. This is what we're going to do. Um, to to make sure we will be in a better position in three months. Time. Paul, Paul, I won't ask you who because obviously that's not appropriate. But we're mm. as far as that negotiation is concerned, because obviously it's a, it's an interesting one and it's one that I suspect a few clubs will have to have it, both both historically and in the future. Were the were the creditors pretty pretty susceptible to that? Were they pretty open to that style of listen, just give me three months to try and get our act together, or was there some trepidation there? It varied. HMRC wanted it immediately. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> <laughs> no negotiation at all. You pay us first, otherwise we're going to close you down. Yeah. Um, um, we had some um, banks that were secondary lenders, not high street banks, secondary lenders that you'd go to. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them were okay. They'd restructure it. They would charge you money for the privilege, but right, they'd have, they they gave us a three-month break period on the payments, had it on to the end. They were pretty good. Good. There were a couple of them that were really nasty. I, mean, I, had, one, I had one guy from Liverpool who was a, um, a solicitor from a finance company um, and this money was owed by our charitable side of the football club because we have a charity involved as well sure yeah also, I've closed down far bigger charities than you and I'll do the same if you don't pay me oh, and he was charming. really and, and showed no um, um, sort of uh, um, empathy with the situation that we we're in and uh, but um, in the end eventually I managed to get somewhere with him we we did a deal with him eventually because they call you bluff they think you're they think you're you're lying to them and you've got money and you're holding back yeah and, sure we, when you actually show them, actually, this is true. We're not actually playing a game here. This is real. Yeah. Um, and eventually, they 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 do come on board. But you know, it always does cost you money. Of course. Um, some lenders have got this sort of approach. Well, if everybody else agrees to defer, if we come in aggressively, then we'll get paid. 
and, right, um, okay. some of them did take that approach no we want our money no matter what and i think they took that approach that yeah if if 90 percent of the lenders and like 90 percent of the creditors will stand back for three months if we go in hard now we'll get our money right and, uh, there were a few that we had to pay and um but it was that we had a plan um we had to find um basically a hundred percent increase in income wow we had to double our income into the football club um without without uh, increasing our overhead by too much and and that was the big the big That's ask tough going so we had to come up with um plan and there was one master plan that we had to do that um our um football uh, stadium was a was a grass pitch um right the address of the the address the address of our stadium is marsh lane there's a clue there to the sort of <laughs> okay. playing we're playing on <laughs> we had a really boggy pitch in the winter and yep. in the summer it's a dust bowl and you know, when we have a, a bad winter, you would you probably not play on it for three months. Um, so it meant you you never really got as much use out of it as you, as you needed. Sure. So the idea was a three G pitch down on the stadium because okay. we, we've already got three G pitch as a training pitch next yeah. to it, um, and that was really good. We hired a pitch out to the local football teams, and we use it for our community projects. And we said, right, if we could put a three G pitch down as our main pitch, um, it will cost us half a million pound, which we haven't got. That's yeah. the first thing you yeah. need to find a million. Um, but the income that will bring in will then give us enough to be able to service this debt or, mm. or at least a, a, a fair chunk of the money we're go, going to need. Um, but where are, we gonna, where are we gonna find half a million from? We've got no money. Yeah. Um, at this point in time, near Justin and I, we'd, we'd put our own money into the club. We'd put half a million pounds of our own money in to, mm. just to keep the club ticking over. Um, but yeah, the, the new the new pitch was gonna cost us half a million. Um, and what we've, as I mentioned to you earlier, we've got another football club in Oxford called Oxford United. Sure. Um, the thing about Oxford United is they're in the third tier of, of English football. They are. Um, but they've got no ground. They don't own their own ground. They, they don't own their own training ground either. Right. Um, but they've but they've got this status of, of where they are in the football league. Um, and we knew the the chairman of Oxford United really well, a, a guy called Daryl Eels, who's now he's now at Solid Old Moors. Um, yep. He was Oxford United chairman at the time. And one of the things he said to us is, yeah, we're in the third tier. We don't own our own ground. We've got no training facility. How would Oxford City feel if we went into a partnership with Oxford United where we would put a 3G pitch down at our ground? Yeah. Oxford would use it for training and for their academy and for their ladies team. Um, and they would pay us a commercial rate for using it. Yes. Um, and in return, Darrell Leals would invest in the, in the, in the stadium and, and pay for the pitch. Wow, and we 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 would have to pay him back over a period of time, um, but it was a it was a partnership agreement that we put together um, seven years ago. Um, it was um, January two thousand and seventeen, um, three months after we took the club over, we put that agreement together. Wow, and um, and um, the three G pitch was installed in May of twenty seventeen. Uh, it took us six months to get there. We had to defer the creditors by another three months whilst the, the sure. pitch was paid, but. Because they could see things were progressing, Progress. yeah. Um, and um, we took a loan out with with, our ex, with the chairman of Oxford United. Um, we moved all the um, ladies' team from Oxford United. They, they they still play at our ground today. They still we do a, wow. a ground share. They play every Sunday. Yes. Um, we've got we've still got the Oxford United Academy teams all playing on our pitch, and we're charging them um, one hundred twenty thousand pound a year to use it. And, right. uh, so there, instantly, you've got income coming into the football club, yeah. and money that we've got coming in was being used to repay the money back to the, for the loan and some of the other loans and uh, so that was the, the first thing we had to do but Good. not only did it it give us um this uh, extra source of income it meant we don't get any matches postponed anymore yes um, in yeah, the last absolutely. seven years in, in the last seven years we've had two games postponed for the weather in seven years that's both that's some that going heavy snow just heavy snow that was yeah. what was it so so to, for, for mm. people kind of listening and, uh, and enjoying watching this What's the kind of comparison to the seven years before, do you think, in terms of number of games postponed? Well, when it rained in November, we probably wouldn't play till February. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and we'd have away games only. And what happened was at the end of the season, you've got this really big fixture backlog where you've really got like congested. Four all at home. What we find now is the opposite. All our home games are up to up to date, and it's all our away games that are actually right. in the backlog. Um, but yeah, it's brilliant because we never get games postponed. Our training's never postponed. Um, the, the the kids and the people that are hiring the facility can always play on it. It plays at up to about minus twelve degrees, so we've, we've never had it cold enough yet to have it frozen. Nice. Um, so we, we've always got things going on. We can play early in the morning. We have Oxford University; they train on it at seven o'clock in the mornings. So wow. The students get up early. 
and it's trained on until 11 o'clock at night. So, you know, we've, we've got an 18 so you're hour. you're really getting good use of it. That's incredible. I tell you what, this this might sound rather naive, but I, I mean, I'm just, I, I'm loving the idea of the, that synergy and that partnership between the, the two clubs. I mean, that's, uh, you know, the, I, I think of certain cities that would, would definitely not do that. They'd almost laugh at the, the downfall of the other team in the city. So the, the, I, think, um, I think what's good is we ne- we've never really been in opposition. Right. Um, if you go back to the history, back in the 1950s, Oxford City were in the what's called the Itmian League, which is the amateur um, the side of the football where okay. you don't go any further. Isthmian League was the top and it was for teams and clubs that didn't really want to go professional. They were just okay. um, local community teams. Oxford United were in the Southern League, which was a professional a route into the Football League pyramid. Um, and they won the Southern League like three years running. Um, right. In 1962, Accrington Stanley went bankrupt and therefore the yeah. top of the Southern League were, entered into the Football League. And Oxford United overnight went from being non-league into League Division 4 as it was at the sure. time um, and suddenly became the biggest club in Oxford. Previously to that, Oxford City were the biggest club. Wow. Um, Oxford United were called Headington United, which was a suburb of Oxford just outside, okay. which is where their stadium was. Oxford City was the ta- was the team that had a, a stadium in the centre of the city. Okay. Um, and we were getting bigger crowds, but um, it, the, the whole thing changed overnight and um, and United went from Division Four, Three, Two, and into One eventually, and they're now the biggest club. And they've got, you know, they're getting eight or nine thousand supporters a game, and we're averaging them one thousand a game. So it's what has changed. But we've never really played in the same division. It's never been that. that direct competitor. Yeah, I understand no, that. We've had a, we have issues in the past where we're both playing at home on the same day. Right. Um, and if we're both at home, then we lose um, numbers off of our crowd. Right. But since we got promoted to the National League. Well, we've, which is the fifth tier of English football. Yep. The police said we can never play at home on the same day now because of the increased size of the crowds. Understood. So what we have now in Oxford is we have alternation. So United at home one week, City at home the next. We're now finding we're getting one or two hundred more fans on our attendance. Yeah. United, and and we also offer discount to the United season ticket holders, and and so we've got this reciprocal arrangement where we we help each other. So it's it's a really good sort of vibe. And we do take players on loan from United. Yeah, they look at our academy players and they they'll take them in. So we we have a really good relationship. And like That's you say, great. it's unusual. Can you imagine Liverpool and Everton doing that sort of thing? Definitely to each other? not. No, um, I really can't. So or Manchester United and Manchester City, even or you know, yeah. so that we we can go on and on. But no, I really can't. So I, I'm really I'm really pleased with that. But so look, we, let's fast forward a little bit because we're clearly you've made some massive strides. You've got the you've got the the club at least back on an even keel and there's money coming through the door again you get a few years of that success under your belt and then covid hits um which is a completely unprecedented time and and pretty crazy how how did that affect you and more importantly how did you come out the other side of that yeah when when justin and i took over in 2017 um sorry 2016 as it was um we had a 10-year plan um and the 10-year plan was First five years, clear the debt. Mm-hmm. Um, six to seven years, um, achieve the uh, playoffs, um, and then by about year ten, get promotion. That was that yep. was our that was our sort of um, plan that we put down in paper. Great. So in those first five years, which was twenty sixteen to twenty twenty one, gradually pay the debt down, keep the football club in the same division, don't get relegation because yep. with relegation, it's very difficult to come back up again. It's only one team comes up. As a, as so champion. you are correct me. You are National League South at this moment. No, we were then, yeah, yep. By, yeah. Back in 2016, yep. we were National okay, League South. Okay, I'm with you. Yep, we'd been in the North and the South because we we're on the border. Um, <laughs> okay, which, we which only... one? Which one was better for you to be in? <laughs> it's, we're 50 miles from London, and they chucked us in the North for three years. And um, crazy. And North was very much difficult. It was much um, harder to play. Boggy pitches, tough old stadiums, ex Football League teams, mm. big crowds. Um, London was more the South Division was more 3G pitches right. um, much more um, middle class audiences um, very different type of football very, much more um, passing game so very contrasting um, very different parts in the South and the North um, we did well in the North but um, we did also did quite well in the South it, that, there's not much really between it but just a different style of sure, football sure different style yep. we get we get to March 2020 and we are um, we're doing okay we're we're just outside the playoffs. We've managed to to, to um, um, steady the ship. The debts are coming down. Um, we've 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 now increased our turnover by two hundred percent. 
Wow. Um, so we're now earning more than we've got going out. We're, we're clearing the debt down. We've appointed by this point, we're talking about March 2020 here when COVID is just about to hit. Yeah. We've appointed a lovely manager, a guy called David Oldfield, who played for Manchester City back in the 1990s and yeah. 2000. Okay, yeah. Now, David Oldfield's claim to fame was he scored two goals at Old Trafford for Man City when they beat Man United 2-0, which nice. uh, made him a hero on the blue side of I Manchester. I bet it did. He never needed to buy a beer again. Yeah. But he played for Oxford United as a, as a, in his late, later career. And um, he came to manage us and... And he brought a, a, a whole new ethos into the football club. And, and he'd been steering us towards those playoffs that we were talking about. You know, yeah. by 2021, 2023, we were hoping to get into the playoffs or, or be thereabouts. So we sure. were there. And the season stopped uh, all of a sudden because of COVID. And um, we, were, we, were, we were probably a couple of places outside the playoffs at that point. And we were probably not going to make the playoffs that year. Sure. Um, but um, it was it was towards the end of the season, um, and um, and football in England stopped. And uh, yes, it did. And we and we never knew what was going to happen next. The whole country closed down, and uh, all the players were put on furlough because they weren't playing anymore. Um, they were all released in, in June, and then suddenly it was announced actually we may be coming back to play football again, maybe in September. And so we're starting to work on September. Okay, what do we need to do when we come back? And uh, we. Um, we were told um, there would be uh, audiences coming back into the stadium. Sure. Um, maybe at a restricted number. Um, and um, so we, we made plans and we, we put the same budget together that we put in previous years. Um, and we signed all the players. And then suddenly it was announced that, yes, we were starting, but we were only allowed to have 500 fans. No, actually, it was behind closed doors to start off with. Yeah. We started football behind closed doors to begin with. And then gradually supporters were coming back in again. So the first question was, how the hell are we going to afford to be able to play football behind closed doors? Because yeah. the players weren't paying, um, and um, our only income is um, for for the for the first team is commercial money. But if nobody's watching, where's the com who's going to sponsor a club exactly. if nobody's watching? You're right. Um, so what they were what they announced was we were allowed to stream the games live on the TV, and technology was getting to the point then when we could actually put a camera up and stream it live. It's like, yeah, really. Can we do that? This was in you know March twenty, uh, sorry, um, September twenty twenty. That we've suddenly got this technology where we could stick two cameras up, have a mixing desk, plug them all in on, yeah. on a on a on a, on a internet connection, and we're now streaming our games live. And so we started doing that in September twenty twenty, and it's really nice. good. Yeah, and we had people watching our games remotely, um, and uh, we weren't getting big audiences, but the government put some money in um, to help clubs. Um, it was a bit controversial because I remember at the time they split the money equally amongst all the teams and 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 I agreed with it because I, I came out at the time and said I think that's fair because clubs make their money from different sources. Sure. So in our league at the time, um, the biggest club in in our league at that point in time were teams like Maidstone and Dartford that are getting a couple of thousand supporters a game, and they'd lost all that. We were mm. only getting four or five hundred a game, and we'd lost that. But our income. And our um, survival didn't rely on the attendances. No. Our survival relied on us renting out our community um, pitches. It's a we good point. We couldn't rent our pitches out, so we lost our money there. Well, that was a so large we... part of the controversy, wasn't it? And including when they yeah. brought out the the National League streaming rights and the streaming deals yeah. when, they, when they brought out that framework. There was a lot of controversy around it because, you know, a lot of those clubs that were getting thousands at the gate were saying well hang on how come we're getting the same money as this team that's only getting a few hundred but yeah. i think you're right they completely overlooked the fact that you were also getting your income from other commercial revenue streams that were now yeah. also closed yeah that's right so so we, so we put that argument forward the fact that you know when you actually looked at the government's decision the government said they were going to fund um, the non-league football clubs for the loss of their income right it didn't specifically say gate money it said gate loss money. of their income correct so we had we have a cafe we have a bar um, our college program was closed. Our grass pitches were closed. Our, we've got six netball courts at Oxford City. We are the we are the central hub for for netball in Oxford. Right. We have a thousand girls playing netball on our facility. Netball was the last sport to come back because of right. handling the ball. You couldn't. So you're couldn't so much it. more the, than a football club. It's it's like the sports hub, isn't it? It's like the centre of sport, sports yeah. in the region. Yeah. We've had, we do we've done rugby and archery and all sorts of things at Oxford City. But uh, so when. When the government money came out, you know that helped us um, during that period when we had no no, no supporters coming in. Sure. And um, we had a very famous game in um, November 2020, a behind the closed doors FA Cup game, uh, second round against Northampton Town. Um, wow. We we were the home team that day with no supporters in the ground, um, 
Keith Curl, Man City player, was um, the manager of Northampton. They were a League One team. Yeah. And they came to us and played us behind closed doors and we beat them 2-1 and knocked wow. them out. Wow, wow, um, wow. And um, uh, we always remember that because the draw for the next round was being made um, live on, on BBC One before our match because we were live on the TV yeah. um, for that game. And it was the only TV, it was the only game on the television in the whole of Europe that day. Wow. It was a Monday, it was a Monday evening in November. And there was no other game on in the whole of Europe that day. And we were told there was something like 3 million people watching Oxford City play that night. That's fantastic. It was incredible. Um, but um, And the draw was Sh- uh, Shrewsbury Town. Whoever won would be playing Shrewsbury in the second round. Yeah. And, um, and of course, Northampton were looking forward to playing Shrewsbury, but they didn't account for the fact that we were going to beat them 2-1. And, That's wonderful. Um, we, we, we actually went through. And so that brought in some much-needed income because you yeah. get paid decent money for being the live TV yeah, game. Yeah, TV but, deals. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and what was a, what was a bit sad was after Christmas we played the second round. That's no, like before Christmas in December yeah. we played the second round game away at Shrewsbury Town right. again behind closed doors, um, and this was moved to a Sunday. Um, um, it was live on the TV again. Yeah. Um, the draw had been made. The winners will play um, Southampton away. Yeah, and, uh, who a Premiership team. Um, wow. And, and, and it had already been announced it had been the li- it would be the live TV game. Um, it was probably worth a quarter of a million pounds to whoever whoever played that game wow. in, in TV revenue, um, and we we played at Shrewsbury on the Sunday afternoon. It was nil nil after full time. Um, our centre forward got sent off for a petulant David Beckham like kick. Oh no! Uh, and we went down to ten men, and we just couldn't cope then, and we lost. We let a goal in with five minutes of extra time left. Um, oh, that's devastating. The TV made their goalkeeper mad at the match because um, he made a string of saves to keep them in it. We we could we could have won the game on another day. You but... always know you've had a good game when the opposition's yeah. goalkeeper's man of the match. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, the, and the most saddest thing about it was was the day after the game when we'd lost, um, Shrewsbury Town announced that all their players had contracted COVID and they wouldn't be allowed to play in the third round game. Oh, and Southampton no. were given a bye through to the through to the fourth round. Oh well, no! Well, I wrote on. to the FA and said, "God, oh, that's not fair. I mean, can't you just put us through? I know we lost the match, but just put us through. We're going to lose anyway." But yeah, like, yeah, exactly. It's so big. And, yeah, and I thought it was quite ironic that um, they never pulled out of the game the day before the the, the game against us. Uh, um, and, and were they actually playing with COVID? I don't know. We'll never know. But we'll never know. it was quite sloppy because the the Shrewsbury manager was really seriously ill and um, was in hospital in a coma for a long time. Oh and, my uh, days! And um, and um, but he was fine. He, he, in the end, he, he came round. Full recovery. But, yeah, but but but. but um, Shrewsbury couldn't play the third round game, and but they still got the money um, that they were entitled to for for getting to that round. Um, wow! And that would have been really helpful to us. But I bet it would. By by January, after that game, when 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 the South Southampton game was due to be on, we started to get crowds back in again. Right, then. right, right. Um, and um, but it was still only um minimal numbers. It right. was um it was reduced crowds. Um, and what we had to do was borrow money from the government to be able to keep the club going. Um, sure. Because we weren't getting the income in, um, we weren't allowed to have drinks indoors. No, no indoor drinking. Sure. Um, so clubs were borrowing money just to pay wages, and we went through the latter stages of that season borrowing money to be able to pay the players' wages and to keep playing football. Was that but the it, same as or similar to the whole bounce back scheme that they brought out? Yeah, it was similar. Okay. To, it was similar to bounce back. This was this, this was actually um, money that, that um, borrowed, borrowed from the government. Um, it's a it's a loan at three percent interest, which right. is not bad, I suppose. But sure. we've got to pay that loan back to the government, um, and we're one of the few businesses that were, that were told, yes, you can stay open, but um, you're not allowed to earn any income. Well, so you've got uh, well, I'll tell you that as well. I mean, if it was anything like bounce back, which has obviously worked out on a percentage of your income over the previous few years, what a what a joy that you'd had the few years before you had prior to COVID, where you had massively increased the revenue. I mean, could you imagine? Going into that period with the business in the same way that it was when you took it over, for example. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, it, it did. It did put us in a better position. But what we found was we had. To, we've taken two two years backwards. We right. basically increased our debt by another. By yeah. we, we were we were three, uh, four years in. We were four years into our plan, and we wasted two years. We we set ourselves back two years by having to borrow more money sure. just to get through the COVID situation. So, well, so fi- it, financially, it, yes, but on the field, not so much. Not so much on the field because by the end of that season, so we were playing up until March in 2021, and when the season was again shut down for the second lockdown, can you believe a second lockdown? I know. Or was it third lockdown, I can't remember. So it was too the many. The season was ended, and we were second in the league. We were second in the National League South. We'd got on a run since that North, since that Shrewsbury game. We'd played, I think it was 12 games. We'd won 11 out of 12, 
we'd drawn the other one, we were catching Dorkin, who were top of the division. Sure. And the way that our form was going, we really believed we were going to win the league that year and get automatic promotion. And suddenly the, the um, government announced the, the next lockdown and the vote came in from all the clubs. What, do we carry on playing behind closed doors again or does the season end now? Yeah. And we were quite annoyed because the previous year when the vote came in about do we, do we end the season now and do we promote and relegate, relegate teams, even though it didn't affect us because we weren't going up, we weren't going down. We said, yeah, do the normal promotion and relegation or do a playoff or do something. Sure. Let teams that are at the top get promoted. Um, and we were second in the league and everyone said, no, abandon the season. It's void. Yeah. So not, we well, I was going to say, because I remember it was all, the whole conversation was around null and void. You must have been, yeah. you must be driving you crazy that particular moment. Well, so. well, well, we said, we, we've just borrowed a whole load. We borrowed hundreds of thousands of pounds to keep this club going. Um, we, and now we, we might as well just chuck it all in the bin because yeah. what have we just borrowed the money for? Because the season's been null and voided. It's, it's all for nothing. And, um, um, and so we had to start again the next season in, um, in, in August, in August 21, back from scratch again. And we, um, but we've got, we've got a balance sheet with a load more debt on it. And, that's and it was, it was, re- it was really bad. And there were teams like Dover in the national league that, that had um, basically given up and, and stopped spending the money because they were, ne- they were never going to be safe, but they got a reprieve because, um, it, there was no relegation and no promotion that year. So we were, we were quite annoyed. Um, I can bet. I, yeah, we, I would be too. Yeah, but um, but we had a good team. We kept the players together, and they knew they were on a good run. Um, and we said, okay, we were second in the league. Let's see if we can follow that through next season and um, and do it again. And and what actually happened was we we got to January the first in 2022, um, and um, the, the world's come back to normal. In January 2022, we were top of the National League South, and our manager David Oldfield announced he was leaving. He was going oh, to come on. He was going to manage Weymouth. And, and I said, are you joking, David? I said, we'll pop on the league. Weymouth are one league above, but they're in the relegation zone. So the chances are they'll probably come in down, but you're going to go there to try and save up. them. Yeah. What's with, the, yeah. Go up with us. But David lived, David lived half an hour from Weymouth. Right. Um, he, didn't, he, he wasn't working for the money. He was working to keep himself busy. He loved the game of football. He had a young family. And for his lifestyle, it suited him to be living, living and that. working in Weymouth. It took him three hours to get to us um, right. every day to come to work. So I understand why he did it. Um, but we we were disappointed because we said, "Why do you just wait to the end of the season? You know, three more months." Well, forgive me for forgive me for not knowing what happened to Weymouth. But what did happen? Did he keep them up? Was it a was it a gamble worth taking, or did they go down? They went down right. and he got sacked. So no, then <laughs> that's um, football we, for you. Yeah. Yeah, we appointed we appointed our assistant manager into the manager's job, and we made the playoffs. Wow! Yeah, we never we never stayed top. We weren't we weren't quite good enough um, to stay top. And what had happened was the teams that had gone through that COVID year that had struggled had worked out where they'd went wrong. They'd gathered themselves together again and put the players in place. And uh, and we had um, Mason United um, walked away with the league and got promoted. And and um, another team went up through the playoffs and. Uh, we, we we were um, we came we were in the playoffs, but we lost to Dawkins in the playoffs, um, and they were better than us. The previous season, they'd won the league and right. it was abandoned. So I think fair enough for them. You know, they were top of the league. It got they abandoned. Sh- they should have gone up the season. They got abandoned. Yeah, okay. They played us that. three times in that next season. They beat us all three times. So right. fair dues. Okay. They deserve to go up. Um, so we didn't go up in season um, twenty one to twenty two. Um, we finished fifth. We got to the playoffs for our first time ever in our history. Wow. Our fans were absolutely over the moon. The fact we got to the playoff, um, we got to the playoff semi-final. We'd lost, we won the quarter-final. Right. We'd lost the semi-final, and um, and we said, right, you know, this is this is now five years in, and we've now achieved what we said we would achieve in seven years. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know? so we did it a couple of years early, um, and so we said, right, let's have another go in twenty-two to twenty-three. Let's see if we can make the playoffs again. Yeah. And um, that's obviously what happened. We made the playoffs in. 22-23 and um, this time round we got to the final and we won the playoff and you we got promotion. promotion and so we did that in, in the seventh season um, which was three years before our, what our plan, plan was so, well firstly so, uh, congratulations yeah. but that also takes us to a to an important part of 2023 which was a real change for you at the club um, I'm curious I mean you mentioned earlier that you and Justin had this this 10 year plan did you see that you would be involved in the in the role that you had for that full ten years? Was your plan always to kind of get to twenty twenty three and say, you know what, 
I'm going to have a bit of a rejig of, of my responsibilities within the club. How, how did that? How did that come to pass? Yeah, I mean, I, when I came along, it, my focus was on keeping the club alive and uh, and trying to progress the club. And I, yeah, you know, in 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 the first few years, we had various cup runs and we stayed in the division, and they were all really good. But yeah, I said to Justin, if, if we could get a promotion to the National League, at least whatever happens, we can say we've achieved something that the club's never done before. Sure. And uh, and when we did that last year. You know, I, I said, you know, we're now you know, in the National League proper. We've got half the teams in there that are ex-football league clubs that are much bigger than us. And it's going to be so difficult to stay there. We are the smallest club in the National League. Sure. Um, if we manage to stay up this season, it will be an even bigger achievement than getting the promotion, I think. Because I get that. Um, we're playing against full-time teams. We're not totally full-time. We're four days a week. Um, we're sort of a hybrid model, some full-time, some part-time. Right. There are teams in our league with budgets of six times our budget um, yeah. having said that there are seven or eight teams around us near the bottom that are very similar in size um but we are the smallest budget and um if we can stay up it'll be great but you know at the start of this season that we started to reassess the, what would we need to do as a football club to be able to first of all have a chance of staying in this, in this division every year and maybe getting into the football league one day yeah. and we need to expand the club, but but it needs investment. Yeah, not just investment on um, on um, playing budget. It needs infrastructure investment. Sure, yeah, we've got a capacity of three thousand seven hundred, which is okay. But to go into the football league, we need to put more seating in. We need to modernise the stadium. Sure, the, sure. The viewing isn't particularly good, so it needs quite a lot of investment to take it to the next level. Um, yeah. So, um, Justin and I were fifty fifty shareholders, and one of the problems with having 50-50 arrangement in any business is nobody's in charge. Sure. Yeah. If if we both agree, it's fine. Everything it's happens. Yeah. If we don't agree, then you have the status quo. And so, you know, we said, okay, we need to have somebody as the lead behind this and somebody who's, who's not the lead. So I said, well, Justin, you become the majority shareholder for now. I'll take a minority shareholder. I'll put some of my shares back into the football club. I won't charge for them. No. I'll give them back to the club. If you can find an investor that will invest in the club that's and put great. money in the infrastructure, um, so um, and that's what we did. So, great. So, well, so I'm still a minority shareholder in the club. Um, we've got some new investment coming in now, so we, we've put a new stand up. And what we're what we're trying to do at the moment is bring more investors in to help share the workload, sure. not just in terms of financial workload, but in terms of the day to day running of the football club. No. Justin's involved every day in the football side and with the academy and the college program. So it made sense for him to be the person that's sort of leading it. Um, in my sure. business world, I'm not there as much as I used to be. And if I'm not uh, a 50-50 shareholder, then I'm not really in, in control of it because I'm only down the club once or twice a week. So I said, sure. right, I'm off the board of directors, but because I'm still a, a, a shareholder of the club, I can still challenge the board to make sure they're um, doing their role, performing their role for the benefit of the football club. And yeah. um, I've got other interests. I'm, I'm in, I'm in the logistics business, logistics world. Right. Uh, of various businesses in, involved in that, and um, and I'm and I'm out of the country a lot, and uh, and I'm travelling around. So it was it was a point in my life where I thought it made sense for the benefit of the football club. Sure. It made sense for the benefit as me as me as well. Uh, I'm at the point now. I'm I've, I've just become sixty years of age this year. Sure. I don't feel I'm sixty. I've, I still keep myself fit. I still play football. Yeah. I still go to the gym every day. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm starting to think now, um, do I need to slow down a bit? And to be honest with you, um, it, it takes me longer to get up in the morning than what it used to. <laughs> and so I said, okay, let's have a, let's just reassess the situation. And uh, so I'm still as actively involved in the club now as I always have been, but sure. I'm not involved on the day-to-day -day running. I'm still club secretary. I still arrange all the games. I still do all the transfers. I still negotiate the fees with the clubs, and I'm doing all the excite, all the nice parts. All the I exciting like. stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like. So, that. so I talk to Ross Jake as a manager every day. So I'm, I'm I'm involved in all the good bits, but I'm not quite as much involved in in the other bits. Well, um, it feels like you've been able to almost. And I don't want to say this in, in a disrespectful way at all. It feels like you've been able to cherry pick the best bits while getting rid of some of the stuff that was causing a stress and a headache. That sounds like the yeah. best possible scenario. Definitely, yeah. But also, you know, the, the, the club's moving forward into a new into a new direction now. Sure. And um, it needs more investment in the club. And I've got to the point where I don't want to be putting anyone, put more of my personal money into this business. Sure. I've, I've still got my investment in there. Um, and at some point in the future, that when the club can afford it, maybe I might get it back one day. But you sure. know what it's like in football. 
You know, you've got, Certainly do. You've got chairman and owners that have put money in for years and years and years, and it only keeps going up and up, and up doesn't it? And well, our, our, it- our good friend Steve Cleave says that buying a football club is the fastest way to be uh, to lose your money. So um, yeah. it's what, what, what we're saying is, how do you make a small fortune out of owning a football club? Well, you start off with a large fortune. Large fortune, absolutely. <laughs> and you turn it into a small fortune. hundred <laughs> percent, absolutely. Yeah. So, well, so, so we've got other people now that, that come in to help take the club to the next level. Um, we're trying to make the club more professional. Mm. Um, infrastructure changes. We had to put a new 3G pitch down at the end of last season. So okay. the 3G that we put down in 2017 was worn out. Wow. So we had to spend uh, 250000 on a new one. Right. Um, just the top layer. So that sure, had to sure. come in. We need some new investment to that as well. So, we, so we've got some new people on board. So it, it was a, it was an exciting sort of um, uh, a change in... Um, point for the football club where we brought some new people in we formed a new board of directors and um and so that's that's all that's all all running running pretty well now and uh so yes yeah, so it's um people keep saying oh it's such a shame to see you go i'm not going anywhere yeah I'm you're still gone the you're still there game. yeah i'm still there game i'm still in the tunnel i'm still doing everything and uh it's um and i'm still loving it as much as i i was before but i've got a bit more energy now because i'm I'm concentrating on on the good bits, like you say. Well, look, you're you're a modest guy, and you wouldn't say it in such words. But I guess the reason that they feel that level of sadness, both internally in terms of the staff, but also externally the fans, is that what you did saved the club. Um, it, yeah, yeah. Justin and I did a we did we did a a, a job that people said was impossible. Yeah. You know, we were advised by lots of people just give it up. You're you're wasting your time. You're wasting your money. You'll end up spending money and then end up and still liquidate up. it anyway. Yeah. Oh. And we said no. If we put the right plan together. And we execute the plan properly, we'll be okay. But it did need the local support of local businesses and the finance companies and and everybody else. The local council have been really good with us. So it did need um, um, a, a lot of work from a lot of people. And there's no. been a lot, you know, there's been a lot of goodwill in the town. And you know, I mean, I walk around the city now, and people come up to me, and they, they never knew me before, but everyone knows me now, and they say, "Yeah, oh, you And it's and nice. Me, I'm, I'm very proud of what Justin and I have, have achieved in the last seven years. It should but, be, but it's it's unfinished business. You know, we really want to stay up. We don't want to. We don't want to go down this year. You're um, within touching distance, though, aren't you? We're three points from safety. Yeah. Um, we've got three games coming up now against teams that are in and in and around us. And if we can win two of those three games, we'll, we'll move out of the relegation. But Great. we've suffered massively with injuries, and one of the things. We didn't realise this year, and our manager didn't think about or didn't understand was the extra stress it puts on players at this level. Yes. What we did at the end of last season, we said, right, how are we going to stay in the division? We looked at the smallest team in the league um, and we said, right, what's their budget? Let's match their budget if we can. Right. We, we signed every player that got through the playoffs because we knew that if we could keep that um, same 12 or 13 players together, we've got a good um, core bunch of lads that have been playing together for two or three years and I think that's always a big um, big issue when you yeah. get promotion don't change your team Yes. look at Nottingham Forest last year in the Premier League they bought 30 new players it took them half a season to get them playing of course it did they, yeah. Well, yeah we kept everybody together and bought a few new additions in that were going to be good enough to keep us up we got so many injuries in, in August and September we lost seven or eight of those players that were with us last season Wow. and, and we couldn't get them all we couldn't get them all playing together. And it took us until December, really, to get them all coming back again. In fact, right. a couple of them still aren't back now. And we've never been able to keep the same 11. We've not announced the same 11 any week at all this season. That's heavy. Only while that we're starting to get them back again. Um, and it's and it, it's it's extra stress on the players. It's extra, um, the extra workload. There's more running involved. And it's, it is a professional game now. Yeah. And I think um, some of our players have found it difficult. And, uh, and it's taken us till now, really, to realize what we need to do to stay in stay in the division and we've started to get if you look at our last five games before saturday we lost 2-1 2-1 2-1 sure. 2-1 that tells you that we're in the games but we're not quite good enough not to quite. get over the line um we won 2-0 uh, what's i won 1-0 last week um and uh, we kept the clean sheet which is good um we've got a few new players coming in now to, to bolster the team up but sure we think we, we know what's needed to stay up but we have to get a little bit of luck with those injuries and uh and it's we were known as the as the as the best passing team in the division last year. But we've not been able to replicate that as right. well because of the injured players. But because the players but are we're going to get yeah. new goal. And uh, you know we're not going to break the bank to stay up. We can't afford to do. It. We have to think about 
next season. Yeah, if you go sure. down, we've got to make sure we're in a good position to be able to challenge again to come back yeah, again. Yeah, absolutely. We know what's needed to come up in the future. Well, how we many teams what... have we seen take that risk and it hasn't paid off where you, you do spend big and then it ends up biting you in the backside and then the following season now you're selling people, you're having to tighten yeah. the purse strings and now you're in lots of trouble. So if that's yeah, how well, clubs have get... fallen down the leagues. Yeah. If you look at the National League North and South at the moment, you've got teams like Scunthorpe in there. You've got Yeovil Town, Maidstone. Good. These are teams that were ex-football league teams that have now dropped all that way. Look at Oldham Athletic. I like I like the Oldham Athletic um, scenario. Nah. So um, in the year two thousand, we 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 never had a uh, we never had a stadium in two thousand. We were playing on the grass pitch in the local league, Oxford City. Right. Oldham Athletic were Premier League. Wow. We're now in the same division. Mm. Yeah, so they've, they've dropped down from Premier League to National League and we've gone from nowhere to, to National League. We went to Oldham back in November. They've got a 25,000 all-seater stadium that had wow. about 9,000 in it. And it's an amazing experience to go and play there. I bet it they is. They us. But um, <laughs> it was just great to be involved with teams at that level. I, and, I, and I love that. I really do, Paul. I mean, this is, this is, this is the love of the game, right? In, in many respects, yeah. the game that many of us fell in love with you know, doesn't exist at the top flight levels anymore, but it still does in the National League and, and thereabouts, right? It's the it, it's the getting to chat with the players and the players bar afterwards. It's it's getting to it's knowing the familiar faces. It's being able to see the people like you said, bump into the people down the town and have a chat with them. It's it's being part of the central part of that community. Look, I, I think community is the right word. Community is definitely the right yeah. word. The first team, Oxford City first team, is only one small part of what we do. Yes, so we've got. We've got a thousand players, um, boys and girls that play football. Thirty-seven teams. We've got twelve girls teams, twenty boys teams. We've got five disabled teams. We've, we've got disabled football on a Sunday. Wow. We've got the, the thousand girls netball players. It's such a big community hub, and community. everything we do is all about the community. And and the first team is just sort of the cherry on the top. And and we always lose sight of the fact that you know we're all about the community and all about the getting the kids involved because that's where our next load of players are going to come from, from the youth section. Yes. On, on, yes, yes. we had a game last night. We played last night. We had a 16-year-old playing in our first team in a cup game last night. He's wow. 16, come through the youth section. He scored a goal. It's his wow. first ever start in the other... Uh, his first ever start in the first team. He's actually a defender as well, but he scored a goal for us as a 16-year-old. What's his name? His name is... Um, I've just gone and lost it now because <laughs> I'm... Sorry, put you on the spot. Yeah, might as well give him a Philip, shout out. Philip. His name's Phil. Phil, what's his surname? Um, I'm absolutely useless at memory. That's another reason why I have to give up football. <laughs> I'm just looking. His first name's Philip. Philip Croker. Philip Croker. Croker. Well, congratulations, yeah. Philip Croker. Yeah. What, what an amazing special experience. First team. We've got a few others on the verge. I've got um my my best mate um my best mate's boy. He's 17, and he plays in our development squad he's just he's just qualified for the england under 18 school boys fantastic um, and he's an oxford city under under 18 player and uh and i i, I taught that kid to kick a ball when he was six years old that's going to be a real cook. sense of community pride there i yeah. I, I absolutely yeah. love that i really do paul yeah. so that, you, you you've been so great and generous with your time i just have one final question for you i mean we were talking about this uh, off air before we started um i'm always curious because it's such a polarizing topic when it comes to you've been talking about community investment for example in in the club but what do you feel about this kind of outside investment like Wrexham have had from from Ryan and Rob? And we were also talking just before about how it looks like Robbie Williams is about to to buy Port Vale as well, and that's where their influx of cash is going to come from. Where where do you sit on the fence for this? Is is this something that you would like to see for Oxford City? Is this something that you think is a good thing or a bad thing for the league? It's difficult, what isn't it? The traditionalists say it's not fair because the teams that have been around for 150 years and. And they've got this um, infrastructure that they've built over that time and they've built up a fan base. And then suddenly a team comes along with a, a millionaire owner or billionaire owner and suddenly just buys their way into the Football League. So you, you've, you've got conflicts of opinion on, on, on it. I mean, we've had it with Salford City, haven't we, recently with, yep. a, with the Man United class of 92. We certainly have. Taken a team from nowhere into the Football League um, by putting money in and and it, it's business at the end of the day, isn't it? It's, it's entertainment and you, you can't stop it. It's progress. And I guess what we have to do is move with the times. And whilst it's great, you know, you'd rather see the old traditional Aston Villas, Preston North Ends and teams like that in, in the Premier League. But you know, times, to, times do move on. They certainly do. I'd like to see a level playing field where there's a little bit more um, fairness between the haves and the have-nots. Not in, um, in the way that you see in America where you have a closed shop and nobody gets relegated. I think sure. In, in, 
I think the reason football does so well in the United Kingdom and England is you do have this promotion and relegation. So Absolutely. you've always it's what makes always, it exciting. Uh, yeah. Exciting. And and with the playoffs and everything else, there's always something to play for. If you had this closed shop situation where there's no relegation, it is this this there's nothing in the game. Oh no, it, I, it I must confess. I mean, I'm obviously you know I'm a Liverpool fan and, and I'm off to I mean, right now I'm very blessed to be watching the top of the Premier League. But I have to tell you, outside of Liverpool, my favourite time of year is that period at the end of May when it's the playoffs just back to back to back, the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and then the finals at all divisions and levels. I, I find the playoffs just ultimately fascinating because and, and as you've experienced both on the right side and the wrong side. It, it mm. all comes down to like, it is a league. Yes, it is. But it almost comes down to that cup style feeling of, well, yes, but everything we've worked towards and everything we've achieved this season depends on the next 90 minutes. And that's what makes that exciting from a fan's perspective. Yes, well, our, our playoff in May last year, we played St. Albans in the playoff final at, at home. We had 4,000 fans in the stadium, record crowd. We were 4 nil at the half time. Um, I had, to pitch, I had to pitch myself. And <laughs> but you did. The second half was the most boring half of football you'd ever wish. <laughs> so 4,000 people left. <laughs> TNT Sport. TNT Sport were, were showing it live on the TV in England. Yeah. And um, I don't think they were very happy with the actual way the game went because they right. want extra time and penalties, don't they? Oh, of course. Yeah, want. yeah. They want drama. Yeah. And, they, and we just sat back in the second half and said, okay, you can have the ball at your end, but we're not going to give away a four goal lead. But, but yeah, the, the playoffs are brilliant. And, but in terms of the what your question was about the investment, I think as long as there's a, a, a modicum of financial fair play there where sure. you, you've got been in the same playing field, then I think it's okay. So, for example, in the football league now in, in the EFL, there's you, you've got the um you've got a, a, a it's not a salary cap as such, but you're only allowed to spend money based on the income you've got. Yeah, coming it's a in. percentage of the income you generate can yeah. be spent. Yeah. yeah, and at our level, it's very different. At the national league level. You can spend as whatever you like as long as you can afford it to, to spend it. You have to prove that you've got the money. So if I wanted to put a billion pounds into Oxford City, I wouldn't be stopped doing that as long as I can prove I've got the money to do it. Right. And that's probably a little bit unfair. That's challenging. Um, and that's why Wrexham did what they did last season. They, they, they managed to get out. And uh, and and spending spending the money on the playing budget is no guarantee of success, is it? No, it's certainly taken, not. It takes them a long time. To, I mean, Luton Town took ages to get out, and look what happened. Once they finally got out of the National League, they went bang, 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 Premier they League. It. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's like Luton won four nil. They did. They actually get some got some form going in the Premier what League. What a game and, that was as well. I, yeah. I, 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 I had it kind of. I had multiple screens on it at the same time, and I kept watching. I kept seeing goals going. I thought, no, no, this is going to go to the big screen. So I made that my main game for the day. That was fascinating. Um, okay, so ser serious question then, if. What do you see the future being for Oxford City? We're in a, we're in a consolidation period still. Our 10-year plan was always consolidation, but consolidation near the top of the National League South or maybe the bottom of the National League proper. That's where we see ourselves. So if we if we stay up this season, it'll be lovely. If we get relegated again, we will still be having a go at trying to come back again the following season. So so we're, we're going to um, we're, um, maintain um, a financial model that's sustainable football club that only spends what it can afford to spend based mm -hmm. on the income it's got coming in. It's a business model that's going to keep the football club alive for another 140 years. Love it. Um, and this is one of the problems with the owners coming in with money. It's okay as long as they're, they're still putting the money in, but what happens when they stop putting the money in? Then it all goes wrong. Well, as yeah. you experienced, yeah. As absolutely. we experienced in the football club. So we have to make sure that you're not relying on one person to put the money in and you've got various sources of income that are, that are keeping the club going. And uh and that's where I don't agree with you know, the, the the Abramovich scenario, where he comes in, chucks the money in, and Chelsea win the Champions League. And sure, and it, it's too much money. There should be some sort of um, um, cap on that. And I know they've got this: you're only allowed to lose X million pounds a year, and, and and the other rules. But it just seems that some clubs like like Man City have shown that if you've got good lawyers, you can postpone any legal action for as long as well, you I want. Well, I mean, like 115 <laughs> cases, 115 cases or something they have open with them at the moment, or 115 charges, and it's been passed from season to season. Meanwhile, yeah. teams like Everton and potentially even Nottingham Forest are getting punished. So, no, I agree, and I and I think it, that will come. I mean, look, football is like any, any walk of life. It's not perfect. Um, but I think there will become more regulations and things like that as, as time goes on. At what level those those happen and when it gets sort of trickled down, I have no idea. But um, I, I, firmly, I firmly agree with you. Now in the United Kingdom, which is, I'm, not, I'm, I'm undecided on this one, but I think what the government has said to the Premier League and the FA is if you can't get your house in order, we'll do it for you. Yeah. Well, I, I, 
I'm also on the fence with that one. The reason being, I actually quite I'm fond of the idea. The execution, let's let's see. <laughs> um, I think is probably where I am with this, Paul. I've been really grateful for your time. Thank you so much. Hang around and you and I have a, a quick chat after the end of the recording, but I, I just want to be say thank you so much. I'm sure our audience do too. And especially the Oxford City fans listening and watching this, I'm, I'm sure they're very grateful for everything you've done. So thank you for everything you've done for the club. Thank you for what you've done to football. And just thank you for bringing the passion that you do to the beautiful game. Phil, it's been great to talk to you. You too, brother. Thank you. If that's what you want, making money while you in your box of shorts, feel like nothing and nobody is stopping you. Even when they said it, it was impossible. No need for hesitation. Feel P, yeah, that's your man. Go from the best kept secret to the 